Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hello there. You are listening to the podcast that helps you create the right environment for your kids to fall in love with reading. You've got the Read Aloud Revival, episode 32. I'm so happy to join with you today in whatever you're doing. You know, folding laundry, running the kids off to soccer, making dinner, whatever you're up to today, I'm just pleased as punch that you've brought me along for the ride. Today, I'm going to be talking with our community engagement manager here at the Read Aloud Revival. I just absolutely love Courtney, and most of you who've written into us love her too because she's responded to you. We've got a boatload of questions that you've sent in, and so on today's show, we're going to answer them. Now, before we get started, I wanted to make sure that if you haven't yet grabbed it, you want to go download the free guide, Hope for the Overwhelmed Homeschooler. It's a resource that you're going to want to print out and stick in your notebook for your hardest days. Basically, what it is, is a collection of the best tips for simplifying your homeschool and focusing on what matters most from today's most influential homeschool leaders like Andrew Pudua, Julie Bogart, Susan Weisbauer, Andrew Kern, Cindy Rollins, and others. You can grab it for free in the show notes of today's podcast. So go to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 32. Okay, on with today's show. everybody. Welcome to this Q&A episode on the Read Aloud Revival. I love answering the questions we get, and we've gotten a ton of them lately in the our inbox, in our private Facebook group, in email, inside our community at Read Aloud Revival membership. There are questions happening everywhere, so we thought we'd take an episode to tackle some of those. And along for the ride for me tonight is one of my very favorite people, Courtney Garrison. And if you've ever written into us here at the Read Aloud Revival, you probably already know her because she's the friendly face on the other side of the inbox there. So she's pretty much everywhere the Read Aloud Revival is and a lifesaver to me because so much of why the podcast and the membership runs as well as it does is because of Courtney's awesome sauce. So Courtney, thank you so much for joining me for the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Yes. Well, I know people are going to be excited to hear from you because they're always really excited to see you in the chat box at our online trainings and stuff. So yeah, I'm excited too. Before we dive into the questions we've been seeing pour in, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Well, I have been married for almost 16 years and I've got three kids. Mabel is nine and Nicholas is six and a half and Joseph is two and a half. And we live in the Pacific Northwest which means, of course, we go outside for walks all the time and drink lots and lots of coffee. And That's right. Read- we do the Pacific Northwest right or the Read Aloud Revival. I will say yes. that. <laughs> yes. 
So that's us. Awesome. Okay, well, let's dive into some of those questions. Where do you think we should start? Well, like you said, we got lots of questions from the Facebook group and from emails. So this is one from a mama who wrote asking about the technology that you use with your kids to play audiobooks during rest time. She says, if my son uses the iPod or the iPod Touch, he's tempted to play games instead of audiobooks. What have you guys done to get around that problem? Okay, well, we've done a few different things. My son does that too. <laughs> so I completely <laughs> understand. <laughs> so the first thing you should know if you have an iPad or an iPod Touch is that you can't, well, I don't know if you can do it with the iPod Touch. I know you can do it with the iPad. You can lock your child inside an app. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wow, the implications of that. I could lock my twin toddlers inside an app wow. <laughs> and make dinner. No, you can actually lock them from getting outside of the app to go anywhere else. So we can put these little instructions in the show notes, but if you go to settings, general, and accessibility, you can select something called guided access. It's just a switch that you flip there and you set a passcode. And that means that for the child to get out of that app and into a new one, they have to have the passcode. My friend showed me that and I was like, this is wonderful. Now I can give my son the iPad during rest time and he can listen to an audiobook, and I won't find him on Minecraft instead. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's still my favorite way. We do still use a CD player and CD audiobooks we get from the library. And our library has these individual MP3 players that you can check out. It's like a little iPod kind of, but it only has one audiobook loaded onto it. Does your library system have those, Courtney? We don't have that. Okay. They're pretty great in that they're convenient, but we don't check them out very often anymore. And the reason is because they're really expensive if they get lost, anywhere between $30 and $80. And mm. so we lose things here all the time. So that's not always great. And then also if my son will kind of be fiddling around with the buttons at all and he loses his place, it's kind of impossible to know where he was, you know, he had left off. It's not nearly as simple as it would be if he was listening to something on Audible on the iPad or something from LibriVox on the iPad or even on my laptop, you know, something streamed. So do you use the LibriVox app? Okay, I don't know why I have not downloaded that onto my phone yet or my iPad, but no, and I need to put that on there because, hello, that would be the easiest way ever, right? Right. I haven't used it either. That's why I, but people are talking about it in the Facebook group. So I'm totally curious. Yeah, I have seen that in the Facebook group as well. So we've got that Best of LibriVox page. We need to add that to that Best of LibriVox. Oh, that's page. a great idea. Yeah. Yes. So no, simple way yeah. to get there. Cool. Yeah. What do you do when you let your kids listen to audiobooks? Well, we have one of those, like you said, a little MP3 player. And so we get things from Audible and use that. But we also, we just got a pay-as-you-go Android phone from the grocery store. It just costs $20. And we didn't buy any minutes for it or set it up as a phone, but it can talk to the Wi-Fi, however that works, at our house and use the Audible app. And That's so brilliant. I'd never all even of our, thought of doing that with a pay-as-you-go phone. So all of our Audible books are there on this phone. Because it's a phone, it has an external speaker. So my son likes that because he doesn't like headphones. So he can turn it on and then play in his room and still be able to hear without headphones. And I've been able to get on Instagram because of this little Instagram machine, we call it. <laughs> so that's been really fun because the phone has a camera too. So, so we listen to audiobooks and we take pictures, but that's we don't awesome. make any phone calls. <laughs> that's awesome. That's perfect. That's a great solution. It works really good so far. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's hit our next question. When it comes to your children, how many chapter books do they read that are their choice? How many for school do they have to read? And how do you figure out that balance? Okay. 
This is a great question. This is one I see all the time. And we're still experimenting with this somewhat. In our family, most of what my kids read is their own choice. That's just kind of the way it's worked. My oldest three, they're all pretty voracious readers and they will read whether or not I assign it. And so I don't really have to worry about them reading enough. It's more just kind of helping them choose really good books. So for example, this year, I did assign a few books to my 12-year-old daughter and my 10-year-old son. They each got six books on their school list. So I don't care when they read them. (laughs) I don't care if they read them all before Halloween or if they (laughs) save them all until spring break, but they're I bought the books so that we didn't have to worry about getting them in and out of the library. I put them in their school bins and I just said, these need to be read by the end of the school year. Come talk to me when you're done with each one and we'll chat about it. (laughs) Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, very, very low stress. But then I was able to at least make sure that they're getting a few, you know, top quality books or if there are a few that I know I really want them to read. A good example is The Family Under the Bridge. And gosh, the author's named, oh, Natalie Savage Carlson. Man, I shouldn't say that. Carlson? I shouldn't say that until I know for sure. It's (laughs) called The Family Under the Bridge, and it's about some children who are homeless in France, and they live under a bridge. And it is a beautiful story, and one of those stories that just really kind of helps you pull outside of your own world. Hmm. And so I assigned that one to my 12-year-old, and things like that, where I know I really want them to read something, but I'm not sure that they'll find it on their own. I'll put those on their assigned reading. Yeah, and then they also have, they'll have assigned reading for their history through literature class that we do at our homeschool co-op. But for the most part, what they read is their own choice. And I'll tell you what. So my friend Misty, one of my really best friends, Misty, she and her husband were both homeschooled. And one of the things she told me a long time ago has stuck with me. And I just, I bring it to top of mind every time I think about assigning my kids reading. And that was that what impacted both her and her husband most of all during their years of homeschooling was what they chose to read on their own and what they read in their free time. Those books kind of seem to shape them the most. And that's what they remember most about their homeschooling experience. So, wow. Yeah. And, you know, so that I, I would talk to her about that and she'd say, you know, she still assigns books to her kids, of course. And it's not that there shouldn't be any required reading, of course, but I do try to remember that when I'm tempted to just fill up their assignments with all the choices that I have and not leave enough room for them to, you know, choose their own reading. I don't know. Books aren't more valuable just because they're on my magic syllabus, you know? (laughs) So I do try to keep a pulse on what they're reading. In fact, that's a struggle I'm having right now because both my 12-year-old and 10-year-old, they're really into fantasy. And that's the genre that I'm the least read in. So I'm needing to find some ways to figure out what quality, you know, which books are quality fantasy, which books we should steer clear of. So actually, let's, let me just ask the listeners too. I would love to hear any tips from anyone listening who has navigated those waters before on kind of navigating fantasy. That's a struggle that I'm having here. I need a podcast that's like best fantasy books for Christian kids. So we need to have somebody on for that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Yeah. And then for my 14-year-old, she's kind of an ambitious one. So she makes her own very ambitious reading lists, (laughs) but she's sort of more of an adult than I am. So I don't really have to guide that too much. (laughs) Anyway, what does that look like for you in your home? Well, my kids are still fairly young, so it's not really something that we have tackled too much. But I think what you said to, you know, to hold our own plans lightly and to know that there's this sort of bigger thing that we're a part of, you know, I think as homeschool moms, we sort of control so much, it seems like, but there's so much that we don't control. And that's what, you know, Misty said was so important. So that's really, even though my kids aren't reading, picking out books for themselves so much. It's still important for me to hold my plans lightly. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. That's something I need to remember now at the beginning of a school year for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's I just one it's of those things I think with assigned reading, it kind of needs to be, my thought is it needs to be navigated kid by kid and year by year because I have to do that less so with my oldest daughter, always have had to do it less so with her. But with my son, I can definitely see that there are going to be years where I'm needing to make sure he's getting good nourishing reading in so that he doesn't always just pick up Diary of a Wimpy Kid or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right. So let's head to our next question. Amama writes, Sarah, how do you stagger homeschool required read alouds to multiple grade levels? We do sunlight and I want to read all the books with all the kids, but I can't possibly do that much reading for school. However, I want to know what's going on so I can engage in discussion. Should I listen to the audiobook ahead of time? Okay. I'm probably not the best person to ask this question because I don't really do individual read aloud time with my kids. I've always wanted to ever since I had Melissa Wiley on the podcast in episode seven and she talked about reading aloud individually with kids. I thought, what a beautiful way to connect with each child. I haven't been able to make it happen. So they have their own individual reading, but for read alouds in our home, that's something we just do all together as a family. So just as an example for this upcoming school year, I've got a very short list of books that we'll read as our read alouds. And I mean, very short, three to four, I think is what I've got. I think I have four on my um, plan because I want to leave lots of room to throw in whatever serendipity throws along the way. You know, I love going to the library or the used bookstore and finding something and letting it sneak into our plan. Just listening to a good podcast and finding great recommendations. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it I'm happens. Like, I'll be talking to <laughs> exactly. I'll be talking to one of our great guests and think, oh, great. Now we got, we need to read that now, yeah. you know, so <laughs> there has to be room on the schedule for that. So I've got this very short list of read louds and those are the books we read together for this particular listener using sunlight and sunlight has lots and lots of reading aloud built right into the curriculum, which is awesome. I guess I might suggest that she just read a couple of them all together. And those are the ones she can have more formal discussions with. So one of the things that might be useful to her is we have this free quick start guide to great conversations with your kids. And you can grab that at readaloudrevival.com. In fact, we'll put them in the show notes for this episode. So if you head to readaloudrevival.com and you look for episode 32, you can download it. And it's a guide that will help you know the kinds of questions you can ask to have really good conversations with your kids about books. Specifically, there are five questions that you can ask about any book from, you know, Goodnight Moon all the way up to Anna Karenina. And even if you haven't read the book, you could still get a good conversation going. So my thought would be that even though a really fabulous conversation probably requires her to have read the book, you know, ahead of time or with her kids, if she's got more books on her plan than, you know, on her schedule, then she can read aloud, then maybe just pick a couple for her to read and have those kind of conversations with. And then all the other books that the kids are reading on their own, use that quick start guide and those five questions to kind of stimulate some organic discussion about them. It's just really not a good idea to set yourself up for failure. And it kind of feels like you're going to do that if you've got this great, huge list of books to read and, you know, you're a busy mother. <laughs> you how much I love the quick start guide? No. Uh, oh, my lands. I think it's just a fabulous resource. My husband is a teacher and he uses it. He was getting ready for a private tutoring session and he was, he was printing something and I looked what it was and it was the five bookmarks. He was going to take them to his student. Oh, I just, that's awesome. I think they're great. And I think the third question, 
would be especially fabulous if you haven't read the book that you happen to be discussing. The third question is something like, who was the most brave in this story? Who was the funniest? Who was the kindest? And you can ask that question and really ask it. You know, you don't know who the bravest was because <laughs> you haven't read the book. But your, your child will answer with whatever character they, they think fits the bill. And then you can say, well, tell me why you think that. And that will send you immediately, will send your child back to the text, back to examples showing how this character was brave or wise or kind. And when we send our kids back to the text, that's just what we want to be doing with our conversations. Adam Andrews in the masterclass said, you know, going back to the text is exactly what you want to do. That's exactly where you want to be in your conversations. So I think the Quick Start Guide to Great Conversations is an invaluable resource. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm so glad to hear that. One of the things that I really like about those questions, and particularly that third one you just mentioned, is that I think it makes you more of an ally with your Mm. child. So we have this tendency to quiz our kids, you know, or they at least hear it that way because we're like, did you pick up your socks? Did you do your chores? Did you take out the garbage? (laughs) And we're not really interested in having an engaging discussion. We just want to know if they did what we wanted them to do. And I think they kind of approach literary discussions the same way. Like, what's the right answer? And so when we're just asking, you know, you think this particular character was the funniest, why would you say that? So tell me about it. And if you haven't read the book, then they know, you know, I haven't read that book. So tell me what that character did that makes you say that. And that would be a really great conversational way to kind of settle up next to your child rather than feeling like we're, you know, always drilling them. Yeah. Being an ally. I think that's such a great word. That's a, you know, it's a story worn word. It's a brave writer word. I just love it. Yep. I do too. (laughs) So you're a Catholic, right? Absolutely. Can you tell us some of your favorite Catholic books or authors for read-alouts? Yeah. And I want to hear yours too. Okay, so I love this question. I got this question at a conference I spoke at last year, and I think I was standing next to Andrew Kern on that platform, and I think he was just wanting me to stop talking because I kept throwing out more and more authors as they kept coming to me. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, the first ones that come to mind are Marigold Hunt. She's an absolute favorite around here. We read St. Patrick's Summer last year, and St. Patrick's Summer is basically an adventure story that teaches your children catechism. It's an adventure catechism. I mean, it's it's so wonderful. Your kids will be asking for more chapters and you'll be, I remember when I read it, I felt like I was learning so many things I hadn't learned before. And so, yeah, she's also read some other, or written some other ones. The Life of Our Lord for Children, which is on our list to read this year. One on the Acts of the Apostles. I think there are more, but those are the ones that come to mind at first. I'm Um, not familiar with her at all. So I'm Excited to check her out. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, St. Patrick's Summer, I would say I would read with kids who were probably at least eight. Okay. Mostly just because a lot of it will fly over their head. And it does get a little intense here and there, not too much, but just I think eight and up. Yeah. That'd be kind of the good sweet spot. And then pretty much anything put out by Bethlehem Books, we can put a link to their site in our show notes. Bethlehem Books, our Catholic publisher, they are really focused on high literary quality and beautiful narrative. So, Their stories are wonderful. And they're not all specifically Catholic, but they're definitely all going to nurture your child's faith and their virtue. And so it's just, they're a wonderful publisher. Yeah, they do good work. They put out a series of books by Ethel Pachoki, the Once Upon a Time Saints books. There's Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time Saints, more Once Upon a Time Saints, and Around the Year Once Upon a Time Saints. We have (laughs) them all because they're so great. (laughs) 
They're like a mix of a fairy tale and the story of the saints. And so they really help your child envision Christian heroes and just like, not just envision them, but really connect with them. Uh. Uh, let's see. Okay. I'll try not to do this for too long or we'll be here all day. The um, <laughs> Josephine Nabisso is another favorite. She's written some really lovely picture books like The Weight of a Mass and Take It to the Queen. Those are the two that come to mind right off the bat. Also, picture books by Desi Jackson. Those are a little lesser known, but they're wonderful. Roses in the Snow is about St. Elizabeth, St. Felix and the Spider. And those ones actually have these really gorgeous illustrations drawn by a girl who was homeschooled. She's been homeschooled herself. And her mom is one of my very favorite bloggers. Do you know Kimberly at Pondered in My Heart? Well, I don't know her, but I read her blog. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so inspiring, right? So yeah, yeah, her high school, I think she's a high schooler now. Daughter illustrated those and they're so beautiful. Um, And they are. Yeah. So those are, those are probably the first that come to mind. Well, I want to hear about yours. So we do lots of St. Day celebrations. And my favorite book for accessible saint biographies is the Loyola Treasury of Saints. And it's by David Self. Okay, I don't have that one. It's a great big sort of encyclopedia-sized book. It's just lovely. There's fine art throughout, and it's beautifully written. And we've been so happy with it. One really unique thing in saint books, I think, is that it's organized by historical year when the saint lived instead of by the church year. So in the back, you can look up, you know, where you are in the church year and what saint falls where. But it's really neat to see the saints in relationship to the the wider arc of history. You know, it's not just sometime in the mythical past, you know, but these are real people living in real times and we can see where they are in history. So I think it's a great place to start if you're going to get one book to study saints the Loyola Treasury of Saints is a great one to start with. Okay, I'm going to have to grab that one because I, I'm always wanting to find saints in the time period that we're studying in our homeschool and kind of match those up. So that sounds like a good way to do that. Yeah, it would work really, really seamlessly, I think. Okay. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer And here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? (laughs) Fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Well, next someone asks, I get 
so excited after listening to podcasts. I really want to talk to somebody, but I don't have a whole lot of people in my actual life that would understand my enthusiasm. (laughs) Do you have ideas for connecting with other people who are living this reading-centered lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. Just come over for a cup of coffee. (laughs) You sound like a kindred spirit. Yes. Oh, man. I can totally understand that. And yes, there are droves of us. (laughs) Okay, so Read Aloud Revivalers gather in a couple of key places. So if you're just listening to the podcast and you haven't found us anywhere else, listen up and we'll put links in the show notes so that you can find all these places. So it is quite possible, hopefully very possible, that by the time this podcast airs, we'll have the Read Aloud Revival Forum up and running. (laughs) Was that an eek or hallelujah? Well, it was a little of both. Okay, okay. That's fair enough. I know. Me too. That can be found in our Read Aloud Revival membership community. So if you head to readaloudrevival.com and click on anything taking you over to membership, that's going to tell you where the forum is. And I'm going to be in there myself most days answering questions and throwing out book ideas and spitballing. And I love Read Aloud Revivalers because this community is so vibrant and wonderful. So I have no doubts that that forum is going to be probably the best place to go if you want to connect with other people who are listening to the podcast and getting inspired. Another wonderful place is our private Facebook group. And we will put a link right to that Facebook group in the show notes. It's a really wonderful place to hang out. We have thousands of people in there now tossing out book recommendations and asking for help with their particular sticky situations. And so you can get lots and lots of support in that Facebook group from others in this community as well. I'm just, I keep being surprised at how wonderful that community is. And I mean, I guess I should stop being surprised, but it really, the people in the Read Aloud Revival community are deep, caring, wise people who just are open and giving. And it's so wonderful to be a part of it. Yeah. And they're just some of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's kind of a strange question. Do you and Andy read aloud just to each other? And if you do, what do you read? Okay. No, actually, (laughs) I asked Andy about this last night and he said like, not with the kids around, just like reading to me. <laughs> but I love this idea though. And I'm totally inspired by people who say they do this. So I kind of want to flip this question on its head and say that if you're listening to this podcast and you do this in your marriage, I want to hear about it. So before I get any further, I want to say shoot an email to Courtney at Courtney at readaloudrevival.com and tell us a couple of things about reading aloud to your spouse because I am really, really interested in hearing what books you read and how and when you make this happen. My friend Trina Holden just commented to me last week or the week before that she and her husband had started doing this. And she said, you need to have a podcast episode on this. This is amazing. Courtney, do you read aloud to Andy, your Andy at all? or <laughs> Not to my Andy or your Andy. Okay. <laughs> but Andy reads aloud to me. He's okay. got to be the one who's reading or else he falls asleep. Oh, funny. So uh, when we... We're Peace Corps volunteers. We lived deep in the rainforest of South America. This is 10 years ago. The King James Bible was turning for, it was the 400th anniversary of the King James translation of the Bible. And he read me the entire Bible out loud. (laughs) Are you kidding me? We lived in the middle of the jungle. We had no electricity, no running water. We had to make our own entertainment. But we're still doing it. I mean, right now we're in the middle of Tom Sawyer. It's not just he and I reading Tom Sawyer. It's all of us. Yeah. But I'm there and it's a nice thing. So as we're reading Tom Sawyer, I just keep thinking how much Wendell Berry gets from Tom Sawyer, from Mark Twain. So 
I think you guys, that's really? on you. I don't think I knew that. I mean, I just dipped my toe into the Wendell Berry waters. I read a few books. I loved them all, but I did not. I don't think I realized that. Really, almost like every chapter I go, oh, that's where that came from. Oh, I see that connection. Just the way the boys talk to each other and relate to their elders and to the wider world. It's very much, it's definitely where Wendell Berry has gotten some of his inspiration. And I didn't know that because I read Wendell Berry first. So it's really nice to be listening to Mark Twain and to hear those strains of Wendell Berry. That's cool. That's very <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, okay. So don't forget to email us. If you do this, if you read aloud to your spouse, your spouse reads to you, will you tell us what do you read or what that looks like or how long you've been doing it? Just send us an email or leave a comment in the show notes to episode 32, because that's pretty cool. You know who does this, or at least who I know mentioned doing this at one point is Lee Bortons, who's the founder of Classical oh. Conversations. And she said that after her kids graduated, her and her husband continued to read aloud to each other in the evenings. And I thought that has got to be just a beautiful way to connect. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sharing stories. It's yep. how you build your family culture. That's right. So have you started school yet? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> By the time this airs, you'll, you'll be d- knee deep in school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're not airing yet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what do you think is the most important subject that you do every day? And what do you do when the day is not going as planned? Okay, most important subject we do every day is literature, hands down. And I didn't always think so. I didn't always believe that. But at this point, I believe that if we've read some good literature every day, it's a pretty good day. It's not a complete day, maybe, with just literature, but that's, you know, that's the number one. Of course, I mean, I always also think we need to do math every day and probably some writing too, but literature takes the cake because math and writing, I'm just not thinking those are going to save the world, but, you know, literature might. <laughs> so. I guess on a more practical level, what do I do when my day is a bust? I have like a lot of those. I mean, like every Tuesday, pretty much. <laughs> Tuesdays are so hard for me, actually. Tuesdays are really hard. For a while there, it was Thursdays. Now it's been Tuesdays lately. <laughs> but when I'm really starting to feel like our homeschool day is kind of falling apart and I need to figure out what is the most important thing we hit today, I do this thing now where I give my kids an education in an hour, which sounds kind of funny. But really, truly, this is a technique I learned from Adam Andrews. He's taught me a lot. And this technique of giving your kids an education in an hour literally can turn a really horribly sour day into a really incredibly powerful homeschooling day. Mm. And I really feel like it's when I'm having a day that's spinning out of orbit. It's kind of my the way I keep my peace because I remember I have this technique in my back pocket. So I don't really have time necessarily to get into all the steps right here. But Basically, what it boils down to is knowing the right questions to ask and how to engage in a really lively conversation with your children. And I actually invited Adam on to do a masterclass. So we have a masterclass about this technique. It takes about an hour to learn it. And you can grab it at educationinanhour.com. We've had over a thousand people take that masterclass. And we constantly hear, right, Courtney, about how much it's changing homeschool days for the better. It it just like kind of makes my I get all excited when I get those emails because I really do think it's changing homeschools for the better. There are a thousand households who now have that little bit of peace in their back pocket. And that's an important thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all based on 
if you can read a good piece of literature and ask a few questions and engage in a lively discussion that a specific, a few specific questions, because any questions like, did you like it? Aren't going to get you there. <laughs> but um, it, that can really save your day. And I really think it probably takes trying it to realize how powerful it is. And that's what I continually see from people who give us feedback. I thought this was going to be great, but then I tried it and it was amazing. Actually, hang on. This is, I'm going to pull something up because, okay, so I just actually got this note from Danielle, who's a mom of two and a podcast listener. And she wrote in to tell me, I had to write and let you know about our afternoon yesterday. I had listened to the education in an hour masterclass and was excited to practice. Well, we were in the car near home and the cars were not moving. I slightly panicked knowing this is when my girls start bickering and I had a brainstorm. Let's try it out. So I grabbed my phone, opened LibriVox, pull up the Pink Fairy book, picked a story that looks interesting and hit play. Completely unplanned, we listened to a wonderful seven minute long fairy tale and had an incredible 20-minute long discussion using those three questions from the masterclass. That took us to motives, Shakespeare, Narnia, justice, hard work, and more. I was thrilled. My girls are now requesting every ride that's at least six minutes long. We listen and discuss from one of the fairy books. I'm one ah! happy mama. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so fabulous. Isn't that great? I think I stared at my screen for like 20 minutes after. Okay, that's an exaggeration. I think I stared at my screen for a good long while after that. Just so happy. <laughs> I'm so glad that she tried it. I mean, I'm so glad that in that moment of like of dread, you know, oh, we're stuck in traffic, that she had the presence of mind to get herself a story and try it out. Oh, yeah, wonderful. And that's exactly, I think, the freedom you get when you have a, a technique like that in your back pocket. That's just yeah. like, I can use this when I need it. And then when you see it work like that, it's just amazing. So mm. very cool. Well, we're almost out of time, but we've got one more question and it's about time. How do you make time to get everything done? You've got a podcast, a newsletter, a membership site, the Facebook group, maybe a forum. Plus you homeschool, you've got six kids. You must have some great time management techniques. Can you share them? Okay, Courtney, try not to hyperventilate <laughs> at anyone thinking that I have great time management techniques. <laughs> uh, yeah, or idea management or sanity management or anything. That's one of the blessings of having a lovely person on your team like Courtney, who's so gracious because she gets to see all the dirty, ugly places of how I manage my time. <laughs> okay, I am getting better at it, though. And I'm getting better at it because I've spent some time thinking it all through and developing just a couple of workable systems and then making sure that as I'm living out those systems, I'm holding them loosely enough not to take this system that I create or myself too seriously. But really, right. I can pretty much say that everything I, I know about how to manage my time and my energy and my attitude comes from Misty Winkler. Actually, that's the same Misty I mentioned earlier who had talked about the books she read on her own time being the most formative for her. She has this wonderful online course called Simplified Organization. And that, that course really did pretty much turn things around for me because it taught me a ton about how to use to-do lists that actually work, how to make time for the things that are most important to me. Most importantly, probably, it taught me how to adjust my attitude so that I can actually work within my vocation instead of trying to fight against it. So mm. I'm still definitely a work in progress. I don't think I'm more organized on paper than I am in real life. And so I may have like a chart that looks pretty impressive. And then you work with me for a little bit and go, wow, she really is. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm getting better and I'm getting better at figuring out how to kind of align my attitude and my to-do list and my vocation. And I really, really, really have Misty to thank for that. 
I'm actually taking that course right now. Yeah, I just started it. I'm in week three, so I'm right in the middle. And I would not characterize myself as a naturally organized person. But I'm learning, like you said, that it's a set of skills. You can learn it and you can practice it and you can get better at it. So that's, I don't know, it's, I'm excited to keep going with the course. I'm learning a lot and it's definitely applicable in my work and my life. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've read something or experienced some kind of thing that was trying to make me more organized <laughs> that didn't feel like you're trying to fix me because I'm broken. Now it just, she just helps me kind of create this vision for the life that I've been called to live. And then, well, she's a homeschooler and a mama. And so for me, that really helps because it feels like she's coming alongside. She's an ally in the organization struggle, not somebody who's speaking from on high from their perfectly organized house. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes and Misty usually gives me a discount code to share with our listeners. So I'll ask her for one. We'll put that in the show notes too, for anybody who might think, oh my gosh, you know, we're starting a new school year and I'm completely disorganized. This would be my recommendation would be to let Misty help you. <laughs> um, but you know, as for how there can be, you know, a podcast and a weekly newsletter and the membership site and a maybe forum and a Facebook group and a book and all that. <laughs> it sounds a little ridiculous when I list it out. It really, 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 truly is because I have this team of people who are amazingly wonderful working behind the scenes and because my husband is super supportive of my work. So I think I can't, I really don't want to take very much credit because really, truly Courtney here and then our other team members, Kara Anderson and Pam Cad. That if this team is what makes all of this happen. And I guess when I hear a question like this, I want to take a second and do a, a public service announcement <laughs> because I always think it's possible that this question was asked because it looks like I'm some sort of superwoman and people are thinking, <laughs> why can't I get my laundry done? Look at all that stuff that it looks like Sarah did. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows if you see someone online who looks superhuman and like she's accomplishing so much stuff then just know it's not just her. It never is. I mean, it really never is. I, it really does truly take the work of many hands. And so don't give me or anyone else online that you see like putting out all this amazing content too much credit. It's not just the person that you see as the face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is I just don't do it all. So I probably don't do a lot of things the person who asked this question does. You know, I love this work. And so... I let a lot of other things like, I don't know, laundry and <laughs> children bathing, <laughs> tidy bedrooms. I let a lot of those things kind of fall off the radar to make room for it. In fact, Tish Oxenrider and I just chatted about that briefly on her podcast, The Simple Show. We can put a link to that in the show notes as well. But oh, we were talking about kind of coming to peace with the fact that we weren't Pinterest moms. You know, we weren't, <laughs> we didn't make things that are worthy of, you know, being in a book on needlework or something. And so... I honestly think you stopped by my house on a Tuesday afternoon. You would not be impressed whatsoever. <laughs> so well, you yeah. mentioned um, Kara Anderson, yeah. who does so much behind the scenes work at the podcast. And she also writes at her website called Quill and Camera. She's got this great post. It's called The Secret to Being a Happy Working Homeschool Parent. I and read that post. It's, it's great. I keep it. I read it kind of often. <laughs> and she talks about all the things that she doesn't do, things that she loves, like, you know, specialized cooking and canning and extensive gardening, things that she really likes to do, not exactly laundry things, um, <laughs> but that things that aren't making the cut in this season of her life. And like everything that Kara writes, it's funny and wise and so good. So we'll put a link to that one too. Awesome. That's perfect. I loved that post. Yeah. 
Well, I think, is that it? Did we get to the I, end of the questions? We're the end. We're at the end of time anyway, either way. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you. I am so glad you came on the podcast. We're going to have to Sarah. do this again in just a okay. couple of episodes. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Courtney. Okay, bye-bye. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Evelyn Grace Hauser. Evelyn Grace Hauser. How old are you? Me two. You're two? Evelyn, where do you live? We live in Korea. You live in Korea? Yeah. What is your favorite book? I'm going on a bear hunt. Going on a bear hunt? What's your favorite part? And the baby on the shoulders. You like the little baby and the baby on the shoulders? Yeah. Do you like anything else about it? No. I just like the boy and the girls. The boy and the girls too? Yeah. And the daddy. And the daddy. You like the family? Yeah. My name is Iris and my favorite book is One Little Mat and The Wizard of Oz because they're my favorite. And my favorite book series is Tiptoes Lightly. And it's a special series about a fairy named Tiptoes, who has some friends, and they go on many adventures, and it's really interesting. Hello, my name is Jenna, and I am seven years old, and my home is Iowa. And I like the boxcar children because they solve mysteries. Hi, everyone. My name is Mikey, and I'm seven years old, and I live in Florida. And one of my favorite books is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And I like it because I like magic. Thank you, kids. You are fantastic. Hey, before we finish up here, I don't want to forget to tell you about a brand new Green Ember Party plan we've got for you. It's free. You can find it in the show notes of this podcast. So you want to go to readaloudrevival.com and look for episode 32. So basically here at the Read Aloud Revival, we love the Green Ember. And so we made a simple open and go plan that you can use to celebrate the book with your kids as a family, with your friends, with your homeschool group or book club or neighbors. Reading celebrations are a really fun and they can be super, super simple and they help you make the best memories you have as a family happen around books, which is awesome. These particular party plans are really great. They're completely unique. And if you'd like the complete plans for a green ember party that you can do yourself with your kids, you want to snap that up. Go to readaloudrevival.com. Look for episode 32. You'll see how to do that. And by the way, the illustrator of the green ember, Zach Franzen, created some custom artwork for us, just for us, in fact, as part of that plan. So you'll have to grab the download to see what that's all about. It's pretty awesome. Alrighty, next time I've got a great show for you. We're going to knock your socks off with some surprising information about what you're really doing when you're reading with your kids. And we'll have the research to back it up. Until then, go build your family culture around books. 